just because Michaela's yeah. teaching. A lot more important to do that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're pulling my leg there. <laughs> yeah, okay, so let's pray. Let's get into prayer. Um, Michaela, over to you. Oh, I pray I can choose someone to pray. Uh, you, you, you're, you're leading, so your choice. Hi, everyone. So I'd like to choose someone to pray because, you know, that's an honor. And I'd love one of you guys to pray for us. Let's see, who do we have? Belinda. Hi, Belinda. Hi. Hi, can you pray for us? Or? Sure. Thank you. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord God, that we are all alive and well today and able to meet. Pray, Lord God, that today um, we will be able to learn your word and understand it. I pray that you'll give Michaela the grace to lead. Father God, and you will fill her with the Holy Spirit as she leads us. And I pray that everybody who joins, no matter what time they join, will learn and benefit and understand. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. 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 So today we're on Revelation chapter 4. Last week we finished up the seven churches. So chapter 4 ongoing is more um, what's to come. So chapter 1 was like the prologue, and then chapter 2 and 3 is like what was at the time and from now on, we're just going to be talking about what's going to happen. Um, so can I get someone to read Revelation chapter 4, actually, for us, before we get into it? Anybody? Nick, can you read for us, please? The whole chapter? Chapter 4. Okay. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here, and I'll show you what must happen after this. And instantly, I was in the spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, like jasper and carnelian. And the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. 24 thrones surrounded him, and 24 elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder, and in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold Spirit of God. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass, sparkling like crystal. In the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes front and back. The first of these living beings was like a lion the second was like an ox the third had a human face and the fourth was like an eagle in flight each of these living beings has six wings and their wings were covered all over with eyes inside and out day and day after day and night after night they kept on saying holy 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 is the lord god the almighty the one who always was who is and who is still to come whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the ones who live forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased. Amen. Amen. So this chapter, like, it's, it's a lot. Like, if you're just to read this, you're like, whoa. Like, and just in awe of... um 
a glance of heaven. So it starts off, it says that John, um, he heard a voice, he seen an open door and he heard a voice and told the voice told him to come up um, and to see. And he was actually caught up, which is like raptured. So he was actually raptured and he got to get into heaven and see all of the things that were going to happen. Now, um, a word that appears a lot in this chapter is throne because that's like the focal point of this whole entire chapter is the throne because this is in fact the throne room so um we see that he gets up there and he sees the throne and he tries to describe it and because obviously john is a human you can see him saying it's like this and it looks like that and it's kind of like that so you can see that god is so majestic he's almost like indescribable so it's like he's trying to he's trying to find the words to put together to see um he's trying to give us an image basically so it's like jasper and this this beautiful stone and it's like a rainbow here so it's it's so hard for him almost to to explain this so i have a question for you guys is um for john it was almost like indescribable how do you explain god to other people because god is sometimes very hard to explain right so how would you explain god to like people who may not know him or people who who do know him but don't really know him how do you guys explain god to others i'm throwing it over to anybody i think we can explain god the same way that john was explaining god like mm -hmm. Even us, we don't know God. Like, we don't know everything about God. We know, like, only a fraction. So I think it's easier to just relate to our friends in terms, like, like in similarities that they would understand, just like John did it. Yeah. Anybody else? How do you explain God to others? How, how would you guys explain God to others? Anybody could answer. Isaac, you want to tell me how you explain God to others who may not know him? Is Isaac there? Oh, hi. Hi. Um, how can you explain God to others? Mm-hmm. Mm. I would, cause God, you know, God is um, he's in heaven and he's a force, like a presence, and you cannot see him. And faith is a substance of things not seen. So, uh, it would be hard, but. I'd... So how do you think? Because he's so indescribable, and obviously, um, John is explaining him from his experience. So from your experience with God, how would you explain God to others from your personal experience? I would say through my relationship with him through prayer and like how he has like spoken back to me and how I've like connected with him okay that's good nobody else wants to explain to us or tell us how they would explain God to others no okay let's move on then okay, okay so um Oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, good, good. okay. Um, I see God, or I describe God to people as my uh, savior, and also my key comforter, because he he, he always comforts our soul, and especially me, comforts my soul, mm -hmm. and also I see God as my guide. Mm -hmm. 
It's your also guide. Yeah. Mm, thank you. Okay, so obviously all of us have different ways of explaining God, but because he's like almost indescribable, no language or no words put together can explain him. So let's go further on to see. So we see that um, while he's explaining him, he uses like precious stones, like not just any basic, they didn't say he's rock, he's like any of these regular regular stones they use precious stones to explain god of course and then it says there was like a rainbow around the throne and in an appearance like an emerald so when i seen this part honestly i I was like a rainbow when i think of rainbow sometimes it's like whoa rainbow you know like what's a rainbow but we'll get into that a little bit later because i have a question for you guys but um yes there's a rainbow and then around the throne were 24 thrones so the 24 thrones um they're explained as in like 12 12 patriarchs or 12 tribes of israel and then 12 um disciples so that's why it's 24 elders if i'm wrong you guys can correct me but you know based on research that's what people say the 24 elders represent that um and you can see that that they lay their crowns to worship him and laying their crowns it's back then when there was a new king they would lay their crown as like submission or surrender so it's like almost as if like because they're elders they're surrendering to god they're submitting to his will like they're they're um proving his sovereignty while laying their crowns at him so then yeah um and then from the throne proceeded lightnings thunders and voices now when you think of lightnings thunders and voices what do you think of what comes to mind like lightning thunder what comes to mind Anybody want to say what comes to mind? Lightning, thunders. Some would say a storm, a storm. So it's almost as if judgment, you know, lightnings and thunders and all of that is like judgment to come. Yeah. Okay. So then, um, then we see that there is seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are seven spirits of God. So uh, seven is, um, completion. It's like, perfect so the seven um lamps of fire are the holy spirit the omnipresent holy spirit so yeah that's what it means or that's what it represents and then um we go and uh, we go on and we see um the four living creatures now these four living creatures honestly when i read about this i was scared i said if i see something like this i'd probably run there's so <laughs> the way they're described there's a lion an ox an eagle and a human and they have eyes all over and six wings like can you imagine just seeing something like that and when i look at this it's like because the world has demonetized or made things like this so demonic to me it's like if i ever heard of something i'm like no that's demonic like i don't want to see that do you know what i mean so now let's get back to the rainbow when i seen the rainbow i also thought of like rainbow like what came to my mind god forgive me was like more homosexuality because that's the what the world has made it like perceived as you know what i mean so i'm asking you guys what are some things that the world demonetizes that are are, um biblical or godly because you see all these things of god the four living creatures like they're of god but if you were to see this on earth you'd be scared 100 percent. you know what i mean so what are some things that the world demonetizes that are actually godly or biblical i give you an example with the rainbow but you guys can go on this is a discussion, guys. People have to talk. It can't just be me. Vanessa and Co. Okay. Um. Let me start with the internet. 
the internet because um most of most of us as Christians, you know, was growing up and even so now whilst we're in the social media world, some people still think that the internet is demonic and it's not meant for um the proclamation of Jesus' word and it's used for people who are um, Christians. So we Christians using the social media or the internet, we are rather sinning against God. Yeah. Anything else, guys, that, that the world, like that, that's even in the Bible that you see, but the world has, has kind of transformed it to be something scary or demonic. Anything, anything, guys. Vanessa and Co, Irina, Hadassah, Japheth, Emmanuel, Belinda, Nick, Blessing, Nathan. I'm naming names today. <laughs> You're thinking, okay, Irina, thank you. It's a good question. Hmm. Um, I don't know if I'm right, but, um, isn't like, didn't they like take the cross and like put it upside down? And isn't that like a symbol of like Satanism or something like that? hundred percent. That's something that they've almost made demonic. And it's like Peter, uh, Peter, even, um, he asked to be crucified backwards, but as respect, cause it was like Jesus died on the cross that way. He's like, I'm not worthy. You know what I mean? And they've made that something demonic, like a backwards cross is now supposed to be for Satanists. That's hundred percent right. Anything else that the world has made demonic or like just something whereas it's like a sin or um you think of any you're like nah this is bad when it's supposed to be something holy. No wrong answers here. This is a safe place. Um to me, I think one thing that the world has turned demonic is like um like for example when like um let's say a pastor prays for someone and then they're healed instantly, like something like that. Mm. To others, they may think like that's some demonic, like you're a witch or something. Mm -hmm. I I guess that's the only one I can think about right now. That makes sense. It's like things that are supernatural because it's not something that they know it's demonic, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, and um, I think what the world has made demonic is music. I mean, like music was made from God and right now it's like not every song that you hear comes from God, so yeah. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Like, there's a lot of, um, I don't know, like, unholy music. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not explaining it, but like... Like, just worldly music, you mean? Yeah, worldly music in general, like, mm-hmm. yeah. So, would you say that is of God, or because they, like, made it worldly music, it's demonic? They made, they made it... I think they just changed it so that, because God made music so that we would worship him with that. But, like, the music now is not to worship him, so. 100%. You're right. Anything else? These are great points. I feel like certain animals, people have made them kind of, like, demonic now. Like, if you see certain animals, like, even, like, movies and stuff like that, like, if somebody's doing something demonic or, like, doing some sort of witchcraft and stuff, like, you'll see, like, certain animals manifest themselves as, like, demons and stuff like that. So I feel like certain animals, like, because all animals are created by God and all animals are, like, important and precious to God, but because of, like, things like that kind of made them demonic. 
a hundred percent. Those are great, great examples. Does anyone have anything else before we move on? Any other examples of things that have been made demonic by the world, but are actually of God? Beverly, I think you had one, didn't you? Um, I said, I'm probably wrong, but I said sex, like, you know, like, God intended for sex to be between a married couple and, like, yeah. They've, like, flipped it, right? Elaborate on that, though. Like, like, okay, God made sex for a married couple, and people, like, basically, they have sex out of marriage, and also, like, I feel like, um, also, like, I don't know, like, Africans, too, they kind of make it seem like it's demonic, too, like, with, when you don't have sex, like, when you have sex out of marriage, they're just like, oh, yeah, like, no, da, 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 da. you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying, I don't know how to elaborate on it, but I hope you understand. Wait, so are you saying that sex before marriage is... It's demonic, yes, it is. I'm saying, okay. but it's not, suppo- like, it's not intended to be out of marriage, so it shouldn't be demonic. You know what I'm saying? Okay, I get what you're saying. So I I guess what she's trying to say is that having sex out of marriage is obviously ungodly, but people have normalized it. So, like, that would something that is obviously maybe not demonic is the word, but not something not of God. But because it's normal, you know, I think that's what she's trying to say. But anything else before we move on? Um, one more thing. Um, in terms of like, let's say like water. Mm Hmm. Africans don't like playing in water because they think that spirits could be in it, but God created water, you know. Mm-hmm. Also, the thing is, like, with... Oh, Pastor, you can you can go ahead. Uh, no, go ahead. Oh, uh, the thing with, like, water and stuff, you know what the problem is? It's because, uh, like, a country that they live in as well, like, somewhere, like, Africa is a continent, like, the witchcrafty and the things that go on, like, like, demons and stuff actually do like live in things like that so it's because things like that happen they're like oh like this is demonic don't do this i feel like they use that as something where it's like now don't do this because demons like they don't allow themselves to be like covered with the blood of jesus like i'm not scared of this because of like the idea that demons do inhabit this place i'm not you know going there at all mm-hmm. I don't know sense, but... yeah great great conversations there uh just before we move on, I wanted to add to that, and probably later on in this chapter, there's a verse there that talks about the worshiping God and saying to him, you have created all things for thy pleasure they are, and they were created. And it's a really great question, Michaela, they're asking, what, what are some of the things that are of God that the world has perverted? Um, one one big thing that we have in our generation is the whole gender um, thing. God God created us male and female, the Bible says, and that's that's been perverted, right? And essentially, one thing for me that I see the devil really focusing on and perverting is the image of God that we represent. You know, God created us in His image, and the devil goes to every length to try to thwart that and pervert it. So whether it's with gender or whether it's in even your confidence in how you look, right? Uh, you, you find people having low self-esteem because they think that somebody looks better than them and, and not fully appreciating how God has made you to look like. Um, 
those are subtle ways that the devil uh, steals away from us something that God had made to look like him. Right? And, and, and I think it's a, as, as we look at the representation around the throne of God, it's really a, a great point of meditation that uh, there could be many other things in our world that um, we could really see God in and honor God for. Thank you, Pastor. Has uh, share anything? Any thoughts before we move on? You're, you're good. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um. So back to the four living creatures. Now, these four living creatures—they're not just any animals. If we really look at these animals, they, um, God, God chose a lion, an ox, an eagle, and a human. Now, when we think of these four creatures, what do we think? Why? Why would God choose these four creatures out of all? Does anyone have any idea? Okay, I'll help you guys out. These are like four creatures and they're the greatest of their kind. A lion, the greatest in the jungle, an eagle, the greatest bird, an ox, the greatest in the field, and a human. We're like we're like the greatest, period. You know what I mean? So these four creatures are the greatest of their kind. God didn't just say, Oh, I'm just gonna choose, you know, um, um a goat to come in. No, he chose the greatest of their kind. And it's so funny to me because when I read this after, it's like after the four living creatures speak that's when the 24 elders bow so it's the four greatest creatures after they make a move that's when everybody else moves so it's like in the world even as humans after like you can see that um we work by influence if i'm doing something other people will look and then they do it so another question to you guys i know i have a lot of questions for you guys is how do you think the world would look if all of us were true examples of worshipers of, of, of worshiping god how do you think the world would look I don't know if my question makes sense. I feel like the world will be more hopeful in like that God actually exists and he cares for us because if they see that all of us are encountering God for ourselves, then they'll probably try to encounter God for themselves as well. Very true. Anybody else? Nobody else. I agree with Anna 100%. If we, like as humans, are creatures of, of God, decided that, you know, we're going to worship God in all, like these creatures do not rest. They don't rest. They're always worshiping God. If we live to really glorify God, I think that would make an effect on like the entire world where as we're bowing, works crying out, oh God, you are holy, God, you are holy, God, you are holy. Everybody else would bow down to God, seeing the glory of God revealed in us, if that makes sense. But yeah, so these, um, these four creatures, they don't rest and they cry out, holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever these creatures um, give glory and honor to, and thanks to him who sits on the throne, um, the 24 elders do fall down um, and they lay their crowns before him. And this ending part, this ending part is so good. It says, um, and they cast their crowns before the throne saying, these are the 24 elders. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor. You created all things and by your will they exist and were created. So you can see that they're acknowledging that God is worthy, but why is he worthy? Because he made everything. A lot of people don't like to give God, um, the honor and the glory that he deserves 
they, they believe that they are who they are because of themselves. But these 24 elders are giving glory to God because he created everything for you, you know? A lot of us live our lives on our own. It's like, you know what? I'm my own person. Not understanding that the reason why God is worthy is because he made us to worship him. So why why do you give God glory? Why why do you think he's worthy for your like from your own experiences with God? Why would you say he's worthy? Wait, okay. For me personally, I think God is worthy because he helped me get out of a place where I felt like there was no hope. And he helped me like overcome it. So for that, I want to give God the glory because when people weren't like when I felt like people weren't there for me, he was there for me. And for that, I have to give him the glory. Anybody else? So sorry, guys. We have a guest. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> sorry guys from, from why me. do you guys give God um, who said that um, I give no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a guest let, yeah. let, 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 let Daniel answer the question I came late so I didn't know the, I didn't even know the question <laughs> the question is why do you give God glory from your own experience <laughs> Um, who was that? Irina saying that she agrees with Anel? Was it Irina? Yeah. So do you want to give us your experience or why? Hello? Uh, the Hello? Did I freeze? Okay, you're back. Okay, I'm back. Okay, good. Can you hear me now? Yep, we can. Perfect. Oh, did Irina answer and I didn't hear her? No, she didn't answer. Okay. Back to you, Irina, or anybody else that wants to answer. Could you restate the question again? Okay, so my question is, why do we give um, God the glory that he deserves from our own personal experiences? Because we see that these 24 elders give him glory because he created all things. But we all have our own personal experiences with God. We, we don't only worship him because he created us. There's so many other things that we've gone through. So why do we give God all the glory? Anybody can answer. Does anybody want to answer? Or? Because he's always there for us and um, like he does miracles in people's lives around us, so it shows us how great he is. Yeah, good answer. Okay, so we can see here in chapter four that this this is a really good chapter. It's basically giving us a glimpse of heaven, and and um, 
this chapter is really for me personally it's all it reminds me of how sovereign god is how like he really is the king of kings and why it is so important for us to worship him so um we've gone through everything through this chapter if pastor Sarah or pastor Cheryl or anybody else has anything else to say about this chapter they can go ahead Pastor Cyril, go ahead. Um, no, you go ahead. Ladies first. <laughs> why, why did I know you'd say that? <laughs> <laughs> chapter 4 and Chapter 5 of Revelation are some of my favorites because it gives me hope. It is this beautiful picture of God in heaven. And John, in, in his vision here, in this revelation of God, he sees God similarly to how other people had seen God in the Old Testament. When the people of, you know, the 24 elders of Israel and Moses had met with God on Mount Sinai, they, they ate with God and they saw at his feet this brilliant blue, like lapis lazuli, which is this, I, actually, I have a little piece of it actually, it's this beautiful blue gem and when ezekiel sees god in the beginning of the book of ezekiel he sees what looks like sapphire around him and i don't think isaiah when he saw god he used gems to describe it but so many of these people who saw god described it in the most precious jewels that they could think of and just the beauty that that makes in my mind the, this 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 whole scene i mean the pictures that you you, know, you can look up or, or whatever videos you can see where somebody's trying to like depict it is exactly what, like what, what michaela was saying we can't quite get it because it's just too in indescribable exactly what, what she was saying it's too great for us to be able to, to recognize but i think just that i mean chapter four is just so much about worship and I'm so glad that Michaela was hitting on that. I mean, we each worship God, yeah, because of our own personal experiences. You've experienced him. He has done something in your life, and therefore you worship him. But even if he hadn't shown himself personally in your life, he's still worthy of worship. I mean, he, everything in this world bows down before him. Jesus, when he was coming into Jerusalem, said, if these people don't, keep praising me the rocks are going to cry out like and rocks didn't even have a voice so to be able to say everything in this world praises god and how important that is for us i remember when i was in in university a friend of mine uh mentioned he said you know i really hope that we don't just when we're in heaven i hope that we're not just praising and worshiping god all the time because that's just going to get boring and I kind of looked at him. I was like, have you ever actually experienced God in worship then? Like, because have you actually had a moment where it felt like you were close to God? Because I'm down for that. Like, if that is what eternity is, and yeah, I believe God has work for us to do. But yeah, 100%, like, that sounds amazing. Because I thought about that, you know, when I was younger too, reading through Revelation 4, I was like, these four living beings, the only thing they're doing is saying the exact same line over and over again, day and night, day, like you know, all the time. And yet, they're so close to God's glory 
they're so enraptured by who he is that that is that's what they want to do that is their expression of worship towards him and it just makes me think for us in our lives how how can we be worshiping god in everything that we're doing i mean we want to glorify him we want to honor him in our actions and in our words and in our attitudes but how are we how are we worshiping god how is your life that living sacrifice that worship that praise because really that's just like a prelude to what we're going to be experiencing for eternity being in god's presence and i don't really have a question that goes along with it i I'd, I'd be open to hear some of your ideas about about worship and worship in heaven and worship on earth but just this this idea of how awesome god is and you can hear john can't quite express it and how yeah holy and beautiful and i can just imagine as a human being walking in there being like okay I'll pick up my jaw someday because I just can't take this in. Like I just can't capture it. I just, anyway, yeah, I could keep going, but worship. God's awesome. I just, anyway, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Uh, thanks for the show. Um, I, I could identify with, with your response when, when you said, it's just going to be worship in heaven. Um, I mean, I don't know of what pleasure you you think of on earth, um, what, whatever is pleasurable that people go after. If, if you think for a moment that God created it all and that we're going to be with the creator of all pleasures that are, I mean, the, the man-made perverted pleasures, but ultimately, it's coming from God. It's just perverted it. We're going to be with him. I mean, there's nothing that is boring about that. I mean, one song that comes to my mind is the I Can Only Imagine song by Messi. What it will be like when when I see him face to face. You know, that, that should be one of the desires of our hearts to see Jesus, to behold his glory and um, to just love on him. Um, before we move on uh, to the next chapter, there's one question I wanted to ask. Why was it that the worship in heaven, they constantly are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I mean, if you studied anything about the attributes of God, you know, God is, has many attributes um, to, his, to his nature. Like God is good. Um, God is gracious. God is merciful. Um, and of course, God is holy. God is love. And so there are many things that make him who he is. It's interesting to me that when they're worshiping him, it's only one attribute that keeps being repeated over and over again. Why is that? So, Michaela, if, if, if no one answers, then you'll have to answer it. 
Do you guys really want me to answer all the questions today? Please. Any ideas where, come on, guys. It's not a one-way conversation. Wait, can you repeat the question? Okay. So the question is, there's the many attributes that make up or make God who he is. Like, God is love and and God is uh, gracious. God is uh, merciful. Um, God cannot lie he's unchangeable and all of those attributes and of course one of them is that he's holy why is the worship in heaven constantly focused on this one attribute of God that he's holy you saw saw the, the 24 elders constantly saying holy 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 is the Lord why, why are they not saying merciful, merciful, merciful is the Lord? Or gracious, gracious, gracious is the Lord. Or something else, but it's just holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Can I say something? Of course. <laughs> okay, um, when I search the holy, it means dedicated or concentrated to God or religious purpose. So, um, um, I think why they said holy is because they're dedicated to God, you know, like they're dedicated to him. So all they want to do is focus on him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Excellent. See, you're, you're demonstrating good, good Bible study skills. You searched it out. <laughs> you told her that idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Any, anybody else? I will say this, though, if I can challenge that a little bit, and I love that you started it. Using that definition of holy means that the object itself is holy, right? The object itself is dedicated. So if we're holy or if, you know, we have the Holy Bible, it's dedicated to God. It's, It's for his glory. But if they're saying holy is the Lord, what is he dedicated to? So why why are they saying holy? Just to push you a little bit further. Why holy? Okay, to, to I'm also trying, okay, to, let's say, to honor God or to show God's power or to show a specific power of God or the body of Christ, the body of God itself. Yeah. Uh, come again, Ben. I, I don't think I quite understood you. I was also saying... Oh, I was also saying that, um, in my perspective, that I see it like to honor God or to show God's power. Okay, okay. So like they were, they were honoring God and showing God's power. Okay, I get that. Anybody else? Um, I feel like it's because. Like they said holy because holy like represented like that pure like awesomeness of God that like nobody could really like live up to or like compare to. Like how in the book of Exodus when they were creating like the tabernacle and everything of God, like nobody could go in the presence because of his holiness. So it's kind of like that like purity of God that like nobody can really like compare to or yeah. Right, right. 
Yeah, I feel like... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I feel like holy is just... is different compared to the other words, like merciful. Because even we could be merciful. But I feel like holy is just like... It's set apart for God. The only reason we can call ourselves holy is because in God's sight, he sees us as like covered by Jesus' blood. And Jesus is holy. So so I feel like God is... I mean, holy is just like set apart for God compared to like merciful because us humans, we could be merciful. Hmm. Hmm. Very good point. Uh. Yep. Any more comments? Yeah, no, great, great conversations there. Um, just piecing it all together. Like you, you've all rightly said when you, see God or we are to encounter God at any any time the, all through the Bible as, as, as I see people who have encountered God there's one thing that is common it's it's they being overwhelmed by his person right I mean Daniel fell at his feet as dead and we saw even John the one who put his head in his bosom falling at his feet as dead and it seems as we look through the one quality doesn't mean that God's other attributes are not there, but it it seems as the one quality that stands out about God, at least compared to us, is this attribute of his holiness, right? And even when Peter tells us to be holy, his strongest reason is because God is holy. So, so that we see that in and of ourselves, we don't have this attribute apart from what God through the power of the Holy Spirit enables us to have. And what God really wants us to be when, when he says to be like him is to be holy for, for him. In other words, be separated and set apart for him. So, I think it was Beverly or talking about he being separated. So God himself is set apart for himself, right? In, in, in a sense that he, he is by himself. His, his other name is I am that I am, right? He, he's set apart for himself and doesn't have himself tainted with anything. And, and it's in that same sense that he wants us to be. He wants us to be set apart for him. And if there's one attribute that seems to stand out in heaven, it, it seems to me it's very important to God, right? And when we think of even the whole story of redemption, it's because God in his mind doesn't want to share us with anybody. So he pays the price to buy us unto himself. And I, I want to challenge each and every one of us in our thinking Realize that you belong to God. Realize that God owns you, right? And because he owns you, you are to be set apart for him and to be devoted to him and and to be dedicated to him. It doesn't mean you're perfect, but it means you are conscious of the fact that you are not your own. And through the enablement of a Holy Spirit, it is that same nature that would run through us as we get through the book of Revelation. You will see that in the last chapter, it talks about 
let everyone who is sinning continue to sin. Let everyone who is filthy continue to be filthy. Let everyone who is holy continue to be holy. Right? And you'll see this theme all through that book. Um, God expects us to be holy, not of our own selves, but through his own unique nature. Because um, I think it was Nick that said it. It's, it's something that's unique to God to be holy. And we only partake of his holiness by being devoted to him. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Sarah and Pastor Cheryl. Okay, so chapter four was loaded, but um, we're going to go to chapter, chapter five and continue. So can I get someone to read chapter five for me? I'm going to choose if nobody wants to volunteer. Iman. How are you, Emmanuel? Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> wait, 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 what? Emmanuel, good to hear your voice. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> your voice is getting deeper and deeper. <laughs> All right, read the scripture for us. Revelation chapter 5, please. Revelations chapter 5. Hello? Yeah, it's chapter yeah. 5. Yeah. <coughs> and then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a, sc a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. <clears throat> then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God. Persons from every tribe and language and people and nation, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. And they will reign on the, on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was, who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth on, and on the sea, and all that is done in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the, and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power. For... 
The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. Amen. Amen, amen. So in this chapter, it's all about a scroll and um, only a lamb being able to open this scroll. So if we look at this scroll, it says that this scroll was, um, it had seven seals. It wasn't just anything random. Like who writes on a scroll? Let's like really think about that. Usually we're writing on pieces of paper, but the reason why I was written on a scroll is because um, what I will say is chapter four and five have a lot of, um, a lot of things that happened back in the day in like Hebrew and Jewish culture so scrolls for um like jewish people back then um um was something very important if i wrote on a scroll on the front and the back it's a title deed for like a property so like obviously like a document for um a property that i owned right and um if that if let's say i have a title deed for a property and i i don't have enough money to continue paying for that property they have to seal it so they'll seal it with seven seals and it, it's locked up and nobody can open it unless someone has paid it. So let's say I have a title deed. I can't pay it. I lock it up with seven seals and Pastor Cyril says, you know, what? I'm going to pay this off. Then it can be opened. Other than that, it's forever closed until it can be paid off. So it, when we look at this, it's like, why couldn't anybody open this seal that, 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 that this document, that this title deed that we have that's closed seven seals. And, and then John starts to cry saying like, nobody can open it like nobody's worthy of opening this this scroll and and we kind of kind of put ourselves in place of john where sometimes it's like we're crying because like like what's going on like who can help us in a time like this obviously now we have the grace of god and jesus but but in a moment like this where all hope seems lost he's crying he's like what's going on you know what i mean so um this title deed if we really think about it what, what do you think this title deed represents seven seals title deed that nobody else can 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 open any ideas on what this could represent possibly eternal life eternal life very very good very very good okay let's move on we'll get back to that so um John is crying. He's like, nobody's worthy of opening it. And then a 20, um, one of the elders tells him, like, no, stop crying. Like, look, the line of the tribe of Judah is here. So this guy says the line of the tribe of Judah, and John turns and it's a lamb. And not just any lamb. This is a lamb that's slain. So honestly, if I were John, I'd be like, wait, where's the lion? You said he was coming to, you know, save us. So what's the lamb doing here? You know what I mean? Like, I'd be kind of confused. I don't know about you, but so then he sees a lamb who's open to, um, he was able to open the seven seals. Okay. So then he goes and, and, um, the lamb takes the, the scroll. Okay. The lamb takes the scroll and he's open. He's able to open it. And why is that? Who does that lamb, of, um, that lamb that was slain represent? Anybody? The lamb that was slain. Who does that represent? Jesus. Jesus, exactly. And Jesus is the only one who was able to, uh, to, to pay that debt for us, to open that title. Nobody on, in heaven or on earth was worthy of opening that. And why was it that only Jesus was able to pay that debt? Come on, guys. Bible scholars, let's get it. Was someone saying something? Is it because he's pure and perfect? 
He's good and perfect. And what did Jesus do for us? He died. Um, he died on the cross for our sins. Exactly. So if even if you go down and you see that after when they're singing their new song, they're saying, you have redeemed us um, to God by your blood. The lamb that was slain by his blood, he was able to open that, that title deed that, that Adam lost for us. If, if we go all the way back, Adam is the one who, who could not pay that title deed because he, through him sin came into the world. And now none of us are worthy of, of, of paying that deed. That's why it has been sealed for so long. And Jesus comes, well, this is all to come, but Jesus comes and he's saying, you know, my blood pays it all. And he's able to open that title deed for us. But so right now, when to the point in time where it's like, um, Satan is almost that person that takes the title deed saying, oh, you're not worthy. Let me just hold this down for you real quick because you guys can't pay for it. And then Jesus comes, boom, and he pays for it. So um, we see that that happens. And then we go down and then we see, let's look at, um, before we go down, let's look at this lamb, the way that the lamb is described. So this lamb is slaughtered. We understand that it's slaughtered because of, um, obviously, Jesus was slain for us. But it has seven horns and seven eyes. Can you imagine that? A lamb with seven horns and seven eyes. Now, horns represent strength and power. And we talked about how seven is perfection or completion. So the reason why Jesus has seven horns is because he's, um, he's all powerful. He's all powerful. He has all the strength. And then the reason why he has seven eyes is like almost like all seeing or, uh, or wisdom as in all knowing. So this is like a perfect representation of Jesus. doesn't mean that you should imagine a lamb with all this, but it, it just, everything here is symbolism for who Jesus really is. You know what I mean? So if we go down and we see now, um, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Now, I want you guys to take note of the incense because that's going to come back again later in Revelation, the, the incense of the saints. And then they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. So we're seeing that this new song that they're singing, it, it, it explains a lot for us. It, like it's saying that you, you have, you have paid it all, you know, and what I liked here is saying out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, you have redeemed us. A lot of people, um, a lot of like other, even other religions try and say that, um, or salvation is only for this type of people or salvation is only for this type of people here, even in revelations explaining that, that the blood that Jesus, um, Jesus paid for, it redeems all of us. No, no matter what color, what language, who you are, what you've done in the past, Jesus is able to redeem you with his blood. It's covering all of us. It's not only about Jewish people or Hebrews back then, but it's about all of us, the Gentiles, we who are not worthy, we're not worthy because of the blood of Jesus. And then it says, then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and living creatures and elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. We're even emphasizing who God is here and every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such are in the sea and all that are in them. I heard them saying blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. So you can see that they're really praising God in this time, um, saying that like you see how we talked about um the all-knowing the all-powerful they're all they're emphasizing all of these of who god is and 
I just wanted to take time, like, after, like, obviously, a chapter like this on, like, personally, like, for me, especially, like, reading all this just remembers how much God loves us and how much Jesus did for us. And I just want to take a time out. You don't have to share if you don't want to, but how, how have you experienced Jesus through the, his payment of the blood? What have you experienced? Or what have you gained from that, you know? A lot of us say that, um, yeah, Jesus came to die for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, what have you personally experienced? What have you gone through that has showed you that his blood has redeemed me? discussion point anyone can answer do we get the question or wait can you repeat it one more time please oh, okay so my question is like um here we see that Jesus's blood has redeemed us by his blood that we are saved a lot of us say oh yeah Jesus came to die for our sins and now we're good but from your own personal experience, how have you felt redeemed by the blood of Jesus? I'll go first if nobody wants to go. I'll give you guys an example. <laughs> For me personally, like I was at a point where I thought that um, I could, I was unforgivable. Like I had done so much wrong. And even though the world seen me as something, I knew behind closed doors who God knew I was because it, um, sometimes it's like, people see the outside of course, but God sees your heart. And for that, for that, like that was so scary to me. Like God knew what I was doing behind closed doors when everyone thought that I was Miss Perfect and I was this Christian girl that everybody wanted to be like. But it was so almost embarrassing to me as in like, yo, God, you can't forgive me. Like, this is so embarrassing what I'm doing behind closed doors. Like, who am I? I'm not even worthy of your love. And then reading something like this, just, it makes me so happy as in, like, there is hope in this. Like, God redeemed me, knowing that I was going to be a sinner, knowing that, that I wasn't worthy. He has made me holy through his blood. He's paid all of my sins off. So something like this, like, it just, personally, it just speaks to my story. So how does it speak to any of your stories? You don't have to share your story, but, you know. I think personally, like, just Jesus' death on the cross just speaks to my identity. Because before, like, before you even, you don't see yourself as, like, I don't know, you don't, like, think your life has a meaning, like, or like, you have a purpose. But when you really get to know that Jesus died on the cross, especially for you, like, you get to places where you know, you know you know that you're chosen, you know that you're called, you know that you're being changed into his image, like you know that you're blessed. Like you just, you know more about what God sees you as, yeah. Mm. Like you see how God sees you and not how you see yourself. Very good. Um, For me, I feel like um, I could relate to Michaela's story. And also the fact that like, um, I really struggled with overcoming like like bondages that I was in because I was just doing it by myself. Like I didn't give, like I didn't try to ask God to help me overcome what I was going through. So I, I feel like through Jesus' blood, I was able to overcome all the things that I was doing. So, yeah. Awesome. Anyone else? I'm going to choose people. Sarah. Sarah, how are you? I'm good. 
that's good. Do you mind answering the question? Um, well, there's times where I used to feel like I was alone and like there would be nobody there for me during my hard times, but like I always just read my Bible in those times and just realized that God is always there for me and I'm never alone. So I should just never think of myself like that, that nobody's there for me. So through that, I just began to communicate more with him and he helped me a lot, like overcome struggles that I would usually think that I would end up going alone in. So mm -hmm. very good, very, very good. Can we get one more person? Jafith, I don't think I've heard from you today. Jafith here? I'm not really sure. Not really sure? Uh, yeah. Okay, that's okay. Anybody else want to help him out? Nathan? Um... Uh, Cause like usually before like like through the hard struggles I had in the past by the blood of Jesus I was able to overcome it and have a sense of profound encouragement. Yeah, I really forgot the question. My question was personally, how has um the blood of Jesus redeemed you in your own personal experiences? Gabriel, do you have something to say? I see your mic is on. My bad, bro. I just woke up. I'm sorry. What's the question? The question is, how has the blood of Jesus redeemed you personally? I mean, like, you know, uh, like as a person or like personal experiences? Or like yeah. Just personal experiences. Or in general, whatever works for you <laughs> you know like just like mindset you know like i can i can say from experience like in terms of like how i interacted with people before so like say like basketball for example and like we play in team sports and stuff as a team i'll get very upset at myself and at my teammates like because i expected i expected like something that wasn't really realistic like from me things i couldn't do personally right but now now that i know god and stuff and like I have a, a like a proper sense of what I can and can't do. Uh my my expectations have been like put down, but at the same time raised up because I know I've got it. Mm. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Pastor Cyril, Pastor Cheryl, anything for the last few verses? This is an amazing devotional question. And I encourage everyone, whether you've spoken or not, to spend some time thinking about this question in your own time. Uh, as you guys have been talking, I can, I can resonate with a lot of you. <laughs> and just some of, you know, I've gone through a lot of those same experiences. And I think for me, just to answer your question, Michaela, I think it's, it gives me so much hope. Just the whole, I mean, I live my life. The gospel is what is so crucial. The death and resurrection of Jesus. And to see it be so I mean, to be outlined here, to be championed, to be celebrated, to be recognized in heaven for the sacrifice of Jesus, for the, the sincerity of 
did, the seriousness of what I did is just, if this was a, if I was lost, you know, if I was trapped on a desert island and I was only allowed to take 10 chapters from the Bible with me, this one is coming with me. <laughs> because of just the, just the, the power that is in this. And capturing that very thing. I mean, as, assuming we're going to be here, right? Like assuming we are going to be in heaven mm -hmm. to see this happen. You know, to, to see, like, I, I wondered if, if the lamb is coming, looking as if he had been slaughtered, does that mean that we're going to see Jesus? Like, is his physical appearance going to change to look like how he looked like when he was on the cross? Like, are we going to see him, you know, covered with, with the blood that he shed for us? Like, I, if, if we're going to see that, just how thankful to, to I mean, I, I, can, I can imagine it. I don't like seeing it. I was on Instagram the other day scrolling through things and people post those pictures of Jesus during like the passion and stuff. And I was like, I can't, like I, I catch half a glimpse of it. I can't even look at it. I can't watch a kid's version of, of Jesus dying on the cross. But if I'm going to see the actual Jesus looking as if he had been slain, I feel like just like I, I already just feel so overcome, feeling so thankful, feeling so, I mean, it gives me such hope now to say, yeah, that is my God. That is the one that I am living for. He did that for me. And I am living my entire life to be able to give him honor for that and to be able to proclaim that message. And amen. Amen. <laughs> oh, Pastor, anything? Yeah, yeah. I, it's, I don't know about you guys, but I, I feel God's presence through this conversation now and I think it's a it's a great time for us to just take a few moments and really show our gratitude to God and to Jesus for the sacrifice, the price that he paid. Let's just bow our heads and I mean before we do that, I, I want to share something that came to me as you asked that question. I was thinking, what other parts could my life have taken if it were not for Jesus? And I remember as a, I probably was in middle school, as a young, young man, like little boy, I was. You know how guys, we try to be cool, we try to identify with the bad boys that are in school. It's nothing new. So as innocent as I was, there were these two boys who were notoriously bad. And there were even rumors that this was a middle school. They were smoking weed and doing all sorts of things, right? But they were nice and friendly. And I just wanted them to be my friends. And so there was a carnival or some kind of outing events that they were going, and that's where they do all sorts of things. And I was planning to also go, but not tell my dad the truth. Mm. And but they had to, you know, because of what they're doing, you have to disguise yourself. You have to wear these glasses that's like dark and whatever. And I mean, as much as you can imagine me <laughs> in those, <laughs> I bet you I was, I, I got the glasses, brought it home. I knew if my dad saw it, I'll be in trouble. So I hid it. But I didn't know the house was his, so he knows where everything is hiding. <laughs> <laughs> and so he eventually saw it. But 
amazingly, because the way my dad is, to, for him to have seen it and not said a word to me about it, I was shocked. Right, so he saw it, he asked me what it was, I told him. At that point, I mean, I was busted, so I couldn't lie. So I told him, yeah, I was, I got it, um, planning to go out with some of my friends. And he said, okay, that's fine. He just took the glasses from me and kept it in his, in his wardrobe. And I didn't go. But from that time, I kind of lost interest in that kind of life. And from, mid, from middle school, when I got into high school, I got into a group of guys who our nickname, the whole school nicknamed us as the Holy Ghost Zone because we were <laughs> so much into God, right? And that's, that was the beginning of my, my life turning around, right? That if it were not for Jesus looking closely at my life, where would I have been now? Right. I, I, I don't even want to start to think about it. And so I'm sure each and every one of us, like Pastor Shaw was, was talking about, each and every one of us has a story. We have something that we need to be grateful to God for. So let's just spend like one minute, two minutes, closing our eyes in your heart. Thank God for Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you, so much. That's so great. We cannot think that God, you did not spare your son. We can scarcely take it in, Jesus. That on the cross you bled and died to take away our sin. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jesus. Thank you. We are grateful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Okay back to it um so yeah we talked about the emphasis um of who jesus was and um his blood and then in this last verse it pretty much speaks for itself and it says that the four living creatures said amen and the 24 angels fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever so you can see that they're still worshiping for how great and awesome he is and, and while pastor Cyril was talking all i could think about was if not jesus then who who would have been worthy of opening these seals and the scrolls? Because they looked throughout all heaven and all earth. Nobody was worthy. That scroll would have that scroll would be closed forever. We would all just perish in our sin because nobody else would be worthy of saving us. And throughout this whole chapter, these two chapters, even four and five, you just see how sovereign God is. He's the king. You just see how holy he is and how much we, we, we appreciate what he's done through these two chapters. It just, it just goes to show you how wonderful God is and that he truly is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And it's like, no matter who you are of what you've done, his blood has already saved you. Even before you go to him, his blood has already redeemed you. All you need is to take that step in faith and say, God, like, I repent of my sins. That's all you need to do because everything is already done for you. Your life is already, it's set. 
all you need to do is go before God and say, God, I'm so, so sorry. And it's like, a lot of this is like, oh, yes, revelation of what's to come. But even now, like, you can just see God through this scripture and we can relate to that even now. You know what I mean? So I don't know what anybody's going through right now. But if you're in a, a place where you just feel that as if, if you're unforgivable or, or as if God is not really here for you, he died for you 100%. Even through these scriptures, it tells us that, that God has already done it all. All you need to do, no matter how sorry, how guilty you feel, don't let the devil cloud your mind saying that you are not worthy because he's the one with the title deed right now. He wants the whole world to be miserable because he's already sentenced to um, eternal damnation no matter what. There's no, there's no hope for him, but there's still hope for us. The fact that you're living and breathing another day means that there is still hope for you because Jesus has already did it. So I don't know what you're going through, but just remember that Jesus has redeemed all of us. So all you need to do is just take that step in faith and say, God, I'm sorry. I give you my life because your life will never be the same. Trust me. I'm speaking from experience, guys. I won't say anything I don't believe. Um, but yeah, these two chapters are, are, are super powerful, you know. Um, it's all about the throne room and, um, and the Lamb of God, which is Jesus himself. Personally, these are probably two of my favorite chapters, chapters in Revelation. They're probably two of the, uh, the ones I understand the most as well. So yeah. Um, so there's only like, what, 14 minutes left, but I'm leaving it for open discussion. Any questions, comments, anything you guys want to add before we pray? Somebody, anybody, everybody. Hi, Blessing. I haven't heard from you. Blessing. This is Irina's friend, Blessing, yes? Am I correct? Yeah. Hi, Blessing. How did you feel about today? Do you have anything, any questions, comments? Um, no. No? Okay. Anybody else? No? Okay, so Pastor Cheryl, Pastor Cheryl, any last-minute comments before we pray? <laughs> Yeah, thanks so much, Michaela. Um, like I said, absolutely love this chapter. I love the gradation that it goes through. Jesus goes, he takes the scroll, and then the four living beings and the 24 elders start to worship God. So kind of like those closest to God's throne, the ones who are circling around Jesus right now, start to worship him. And then all the angels, the millions, 10,000 upon 10,000 angels start to worship. And then every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth is to worship God. And I just love how like the entire creation now, from those closest to him to those in the farthest sea are now worshiping God. And to me, it's just this, it's this encouragement. And I want to, I want to say it as an encouragement to you because sometimes it seems like there is more on the enemy's side than there is on ours. There are times when you're in spiritual battles. There are times when you're in temptations. There are times when you're in such a dark place that it seems like there is no way that you can win this. And just the encouragement to you that there are so many beings, heavenly beings, humanly beings, creaturely beings that are worshiping God for who he is and the fact that he has overcome. I mean, the, the line of the tribe of Judah has tried. He has won the victory. And we're on his side. <laughs> I mean, if we believe in him, if he's our Lord and Savior, we're on his side. And yeah, just to, to encourage you with that, that, I mean, we're part of that, right? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm one of those creatures under heaven and on earth that is, that is worshiping him. And 
So let my life be part of that now, recognizing it will be in the future and knowing that yeah, regardless of how thick the, the enemy clouds may seem, how much more there is on, on our side because of God. So just an encouragement for you with that. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. Cheryl. Thank you, Michaela. Thanks, everyone. Um, I've been so blessed uh, in, in the session today. Um, one, one last thing I, I want to ask more as a question in the closing for chapter five is the imagery of the lion and then the lamb um, of the same person, right? the same person, Jesus, like Michaela pointed out. Um, he's described as a lion of the tribe of Judah in heaven and he turns around but he sees a lamb and not just a lamb who is all put together but a lamb who is slain and has wounds so what, what, does, what does this reveal to us about Jesus or about God what can we learn from that imagery? Uh, I was going to mute myself for you guys to talk, but I, I haven't heard, I've, I've seen Liz, Liz on the line. I haven't heard her voice in like ages. Hello. So, Hi, Pastor. Hi, Liz. How are you? I'm good. Good. Really good. Thanks for coming on. Do you have any comments about my question? Uh, no. Okay. That's, that's okay. I'm, I'm so happy to hear your voice that it's fine. I'll let you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Any, anybody wants to give it a shot? Explain it again. Okay, so um, in in the whole of chapter five, uh, like Michaela pointed out, Jesus was described by someone in heaven. I think was one of the elders. <coughs> Excuse me, describing him as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And John turns around to see this lion, and what he sees is not a lion but a lamb. And not just a lamb, but a lamb who was slain, who was killed. And so you see the wounds on him. So what does this picture of Jesus really reveal to us? I don't know if anyone's going to answer, but for me personally, when I think about that, like when you're asking it, I think about how like even just um, the Jews and the Hebrew people were waiting for like this, this person to come and save them, this big, strong guy that was going to come in and rescue them. And then they see Jesus and they're like, aren't you the carpenter's son or something? And then like he comes from like from the lowest place and then he, he dies and then he just does all of this for us. So I kind of, it just gives me that idea, you know? That's, that's awesome. Any any further comments? 
What comes to your mind? Just one more. Let's take one more comment on that. Did I call? Nana Tutu, I haven't heard your voice today. Hi, Pastor. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank <laughs> you. And you? Good. You're hiding quietly there. Yeah. Um, can you repeat the question one more time? So the question is, by the time I finish this question, all of you should memorize this question. <laughs> the question is, um, in, in Revelation chapter 5, Jesus is described as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Mm -hmm. And so when the, one of the, the 24 elders mentions him that the lion of the tribe of Judah is worthy to open the scrolls, when he... John turns around to see who this lion is. He doesn't see a lion, but he sees a lamb who has been slain. And so what, what, what does this picture of Jesus, who on one hand, he's a lion of the tribe of Judah. On the other hand, he's a lamb who's slain. What does it reveal to us about his nature? Um... What does it reveal about his nature? Um, right. Or, or what comes to your mind looking at that picture of Jesus? As him, like him as a lamb? Like as a, a lion, and, right, and a slain lamb, right. Um, I would say like superiority, like he goes from being a superior animal to like a slain one. So like it just shows like his love for us, I guess. Wow. Yep, yep, you're, you're hitting it. You're hitting it on the nail. Keep spinning it. Keep spinning it. I don't know what else to add. Um, I guess his love, his love for us, somewhere on there. Mm -hmm. Definitely. What else do you see there? Look closely. Um... I don't really know what to add after that. I don't know. Okay. But but you 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 gave a very strong point with that one. Um, I see Ben's hand up. Ben, you want to give it a shot? Okay. Um, let me start with a scenario, like maybe for the Queen of England. You would never see the Queen of England in a bus but always in the convoy. So that tells us, that simplifies the lion. God is supreme. God is um, on his own. But the lamb, I see like, it, um, God's humility does not um, really take place everywhere, but it takes place in the heart. 
in the scripture or, or in, um, in the, the, the scripture we read today made me understand something that he needs the heart more um, than everything God the lamp is quiet doesn't talk much doesn't move much but when you come to him God, let's see the behavior or the characteristics of the lamp okay so if you how we see the lamp is how God is his gentility his willingness or open arms for us no matter the circumstances we, we find ourselves in and the lion aspect too comes in when we see God as the supreme being as the uh, in the uh, at the forefront of our life fighting for us as king okay uh, excellent great great points from all of you uh, you you hit it on the nail that Jesus in his glory he had everything right like the lion uh, when he stood before Pilate he said my kingdom is not of this world if it were I would have thousands and thousands of my servants deliver me from your hand so he was a king that was Pilate's response so you are a king then right he, he's great he's, he's all whatever you can think of uh, and yet he humbles himself and comes as a lamb to die. And I think for us as human beings, one of the things we struggle with a lot is pride. Right? It's, it's the very same thing that made the devil the devil. And pride is so subtle that it's hard to see it in your own heart. It's very easy to see it in other people's hearts, but very difficult to see it in your own heart. And one of the things Jesus invites us to learn of him is his humility. Right? He says, come and learn of me because I am meek. Right? Because it's, it's not our nature, but it is. And as, as we close this chapter, I want you to, when you are on your own, take a closer look at the lion and the lamb picture and realize that God is calling us to a life of humility, just like Jesus. Other than that, we are not able to really be of use in his hand. He says in Isaiah 57, actually, that God dwells in the high and in the holy place. I think it's Isaiah 57, verse 15. He dwells in the high and in the holy place with him also who is of a humble and a contrite heart. As young people, Sometimes it's we, it's easy for us to think we know more than our parents. You know, like what do they know? They don't even know Instagram. They don't know TikTok or whatever. Like there are so many things you could hide from them. They won't know. And and to forget easily that they brought us into this world. To forget easily that when you were peeing and pooing and <laughs> couldn't change your diapers, they were they were doing that and carrying you. Right? It's so easy to forget and not really humble ourselves. But I want to challenge you, if you go far with God, if you would actually get closer to Jesus, it is this quality that makes you become a beloved of, of God. He says in some, I think it's 25, somewhere in the, in the verses there, 
that the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. So as we go through the rest of the book of Revelation, um, let's be mindful of the danger of knowledge. The Bible says knowledge puffs up. It, the more you know, the easier it is for you to become proud. But let's remember the lamb. Let's, I think either I was two days ago, the Lord was really ministering to my heart about how that if there's anyone in the whole world who doesn't need to be humble, it is him. Right? It, 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 there's nothing, he, he, everything that he can be proud of, he really has it. it it's not like he's, it, it's his. So um, let's pray for ourselves um, and ask God to help us all to learn from the land and humble ourselves. The last thing I'll say on that is do not lose sight of the fact that Jesus is not only a lamb, but he's also a lion. That God is gracious, but God is also a God of judgment. And he, he says in the whole book of Revelation as we go through it, that he will eventually punish sin. And that is why we must not take his grace for granted. I trust that God will help each and every one of us as we get closer to him in our walk to always come back to him no matter what and not take our sin for granted and say that God, God understands. No, come back to him and let's ask for forgiveness. Let's ask for mercy. Amen. Amen. Michaela, over to you. I see your hand up. Oh, um, yeah, just while you're talking, I was just thinking about, like, the pride thing. It's something that, like, a lot of us suffer from, especially, like, in a generation like today. And it's, like, if Jesus is truly our example, we have to look at his life. Like, even when he was um, going um, to be sentenced before he got killed, like, he didn't say much all the time. There's just sometimes we don't have to talk too much. It's not everything that you have to answer. You have to talk back. You have to show that, oh, no, I'm big, I'm bad. I, I can, no. Sometimes you need to be quiet. You know what I mean? We have to be humble and like everything, like Pastor Cyril was saying. Like, if we're really following this, this line in the Lamb, Jesus knew he was all-powerful. That's why he didn't have to talk too much. We know our power. That's why there's no, sometimes we don't need to argue with certain people. If you're coming at me, oh, um, you know the word of God, then da 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 like, I know who I am, so I don't need to argue with you. You know what I mean? A lot of us, because of our pride, I feel like I have to answer this person. I have to tell this person what it is. No. If you truly know, then keep quiet. You know what I mean? That's all I have to say. But, yeah, um, today was good. I, I learned a lot, even though I was, like, leading. I learned a lot. Everybody. Um, but, yeah, someone can just finish off of us in prayer, and then we can go. Sorry. Should I volunteer someone to pray for us before we end? I think so. Um, Hadass, I don't think I've heard you today. Can you pray for us, please? Okay. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for giving us the opportunity to come together to learn your word. Lord, I pray that everything that we learned today they will apply it into our lives and that whatever we learn that it would um stick in our heads so we can use it for your glory in jesus name i pray amen
Just before just before you log off, um, I just want to know there's some two numbers that have called in 289-315. Can you just mention your name, please, if you don't mind? Daniel. Daniel? No, that was Uncle Covenant. Oh. <laughs> So the two eight nine three one five two seven six zero, and then there is seven zero five two four one three one seven nine. You can just mention your first name if you don't mind. It's Mamia. Yes. It's who? Mamia. Oh, Mamia. How how is Barry? It's good. It's still snowing. It's still snowing. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thanks for joining us. Did you join us with Kobe? Pardon? Did you join us with Kobe? Yeah. Okay, that's great. And then um, the 289, I, if, if you're there, you don't mind to mention your name. That would be great. All right. Thank you all for joining. Um, one one quick one quick uh, reminder before we 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 go. Our Sunday messages that Pastor Shaw records is on the website. Please remember to log on. Uh, go to the Living Word AG .org slash youth and be blessed by the message, okay? God's really been speaking through Pastor Cheryl to us, so please make sure you are uh, getting on the on the site to be blessed. And then, please, next week, God willing, we're going to do Revelations chapter 6 and chapter 7. We're getting into the seven uh, seals and the judgments that are going to unfold in the earth is getting more exciting as we go along. So please, please bring a friend. See, a, see some of your friends in the youth who are not on this call. Send them the link. Say we have to hop on to this Bible study. Okay, and send it also to any friend, whether in the youth or not in the youth. Just invite someone so that our numbers will grow more and more as we go along. Okay? And Michaela, you're not off the hook for next week, please. You're still doing chapter six and seven. And then Beatrice. Nick, is Beatrice with us? Is was Beatrice with you? No, she's um I think she's downstairs. Okay. Tell her she's in trouble because she didn't join. Okay. Uh, but um, we'll pick it up from next week. Thank you all. God bless you. Bye. 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 Bye.